Welcome one and welcome all. We're live tonight on Very Full Upstream number 88. This one's entitled Encryption. I'm here with my boys. We're here with Blaze, editor-in-chief at crackberry.com. How you doing, man? Not too bad. Yourself? I cannot complain whatsoever. Always good to have you on, man. You were here as well with a very flow editor, Brandon Orr. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing pretty well. I can't complain. I'm uh, strutting some new very flow swag. Hey, so. so beautiful. I feel like I've worn mine like since I got it, so I should probably wash it <laughs> soon. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll get to that, you know, next week. <laughs> Lastly, here uh, rounding out our our guest list, we have Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. How are you doing today, Alex? Pretty good. Just enjoying the weekend. Excellent. This is a good way to wrap it up as we... Uh, <laughs> it's funny. That's, that's an after-show joke for later for you, Alex. But <laughs> uh, I want to start at our topic list talking about uh, Bez 12 Cloud. We got an update bringing usability and security improvements. Um, really cool to see them kind of expanding uh, BlackBerry's Enterprise Server 12 for the cloud space. It's really a nice way for them to kind of add on capabilities with the Best 12 cloud. And these updates and services just make that service even better. Uh, really more scalable than some of the early BlackBerry Bez deployments that we saw that were normally on site or, you know, hosted by a third party server, uh, server farm or organization. Uh, have any of you guys read through some of the stuff? I mean, pretty pretty legit stuff. We got BlackBerry Secure Connect for Android for work, Samsung NOC workspace, BlackBerry 10 iOS 9 devices getting some of that access, as well as BlackBerry's trusted you know, security offering that seamless access uh, through VPN and opening yeah. you know, multiple points. Pretty there's cool some, stuff. There's some pretty good stuff and some really important stuff. Like, for instance, one that might be overlooked is the Spanish localization. Um... There's a lot of places, especially in the states and in other markets that BlackBerry's in, where um, Spanish localization, being able to have the admin consoles in Spanish, it's just an extra added benefit for some of these markets. Um, on top of that, support for Windows 10 and OS X devices, uh, that's another good thing that they've included as well in yeah, this update. Those are the two main things I was looking at. Better integration with corporate assets. Active Zinc, I mean, those are always good. More deployment options for Android, that's that's pretty good too. Uh, but I think the the main one is probably the support for Windows 10 and OS X devices. Yeah, totally. That's what I got from it as well when I was reading through. Like, yeah, some of the other stuff is nice to actually have added on, but that OS X and Windows 10 support is absolutely huge for them because it opens the doors to a lot of things, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's loads more capability, and I mean, some of these features may have been available on, on the standard Bez 12, you know, I I installments. Really cool that now their cloud version has, you know, this mobility really made easy for them. Alex, tell me, man, would you ever consider Bez 12 cloud? Like, what would it need for you to be able to bring it to a level where you're comfortable working with it and deploying it yourself? Um... Well, I mean, so the cloud platform, don't you have to choose, like, one of BlackBerry's, you know, partners in order to put it up in the server somewhere? And it's still, I, that's still the argument that I kind of always seem to bring up, that it's not as easy as, like, Google Apps for work or, you know, the alternatives. So that's where it just gets difficult. Um, well, you don't need a partner, just to, sorry to interrupt, but it, you don't need Yeah, that's what the cloud is for, right? To eliminate that? Yeah, BlackBerry yeah. now hosts their own cloud. So they have three different models. They've got on-site installation on corporate-owned servers. They've got Bez 12 Cloud, which BlackBerry hosts themselves. And then they've got the one that's licensed through host as well. So you've kind of got a myriad of ways to deploy it, as Blaze was kind of mentioning. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think they're definitely moving in the right direction. Just the one downside is 
you have their competitors who have been doing this for so long and just in the cloud space and making it very easy and building up all these tools for management, whereas BlackBerry, they're finally starting to get in there. I remember we talked about the, the Bez Cloud quite a while ago, and now they're finally kind of rolling it out more so. Um, so I think it's going to take some time. People are going to use it. They're going to, you know, complain here and there, and they'll improve it. So I really don't feel like it's going to be at this place where what I'm used to. I might actually jump in um, if they have like a free trial or something and just see how it compares because I do use, you know, Google Apps for work on a daily basis. So I'm very familiar with just rolling it out to a new customer, and I'm used to it. So I would be, be curious to actually try it out and compare and contrast it, you know. It's, it's interesting. Right now they're offering a 30-day free trial of the cloud. Maybe you should uh, take it up and compare like what yeah. you're doing and, and bring an educated kind of a perspective of experience to the conversation. Kind of surprised you haven't actually already tried it because it was because there. I, it's been there I, since launch. I, I tried to sign up for something. I went through the process, but I think it was before the, the actual cloud came out. And I tried to set it up, and I was like, wait, I need to download this to my computer and set up a server and turn my computer into a server. I was like, whoa, wait, no, I'm not dealing with this. So I, I guess I wasn't paying enough attention to when the cloud actually came out because I did give it a chance, but it just wasn't the right one. So yeah, I'll try yeah. that now. Even though it's not really, well, it is kind of crucial, especially for new users, new users but um, before the path to basically go ahead and actually get started on it was a little bit more complicated. Like you had to go through the enterprise website, figure out the actual plans that were laid out and so on and so forth. But, yeah. uh, you know, they, they sort of they streamline that process. You still have to go through the enterprise store to set everything up. And that's, mm -hmm. that's usually where most people get confused. But, um, you know, they just set it up as like one singular category that you can choose from now and you just click on it and it gives you all of the, the valid information to be able to go ahead and set it up. Plus, um, when when we posted up the, the the newest of the update, there's two videos at the bottom that basically show you how to essentially go through the process of signing up for the free trial and setting yourself up as a client. Like, I didn't just want to go ahead and put the information out there without actually leading people somewhere else to be able to go ahead and find more about it. So we did include those videos if you are looking to go ahead and actually give it a go. There's a nice walkthrough video that BlackBerry did up. So. It's actually you know, fairly I'm, easy. I'm just wondering at what point will BlackBerry really be in that software domain enough to solidify a value proposition, right? And yeah. I, and I, you know we, we see things in Blaze. You and I were talking about this earlier in the week, talking a little bit about like that BlackBerry Experience Suite and the potential they have to deploy something like that as a software kind of package as an add-on to what their you know existing kind of ecosystem has for them. So I'm really looking forward to some of the stuff that they may you know push later this year, if not into next, because they really do have a, an opportunity to offer some unique things that can customize what the EMM capability is for the platform for, for people just like Alex, right, who are just trying to offer their clients something seamless. Yeah, and I think, you know, they really do need to improve the onboarding process, you know, what, what Chris is kind of just going through. It, it is kind of weird, like, I have to go through the BlackBerry Enterprise Store, and I have to, like, okay, here's my free trial, $0.00, and I have to add one quantity to cart, and then, like, it's just very weird to go through the whole process, whereas, and it, it's not, like, overly obvious, like, okay, so you're going to be paying this much per user per month, and they're not, they're just not as direct. It feels, like, more hidden to me, and that's something that I don't like being kind of a user, and, and, and that's really focusing on an enterprise thing. So, like, enterprise is always like, oh, contact us if you'd like a quote. They don't normally say, you know, starting at whatever, whatever a month, 
and that's something that I really dislike, and I feel like they're trying to trick me in some way, and that's 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 literally a barrier to entry. It's a bad onboarding thing. It's like if you have a free trial, make it easy to do it. Yeah, so, like it, it, realistically, it just needs to be like one page that people visit. They sign up, they put their name in, and it gives them all of the information. Like I don't want to have to yeah. go through the enterprise store or anything like that because like Alex said, you know, that does give the illusion that there's more going on behind the scenes. And I, it doesn't. It does. It it doesn't create a a simplistic process. Like people just want to be able to go ahead and click on one single thing. It's kind of I, like when they had the developer stuff. The developer stuff. It always forced you to download this and agree to these terms. And they streamlined that process eventually. But it's it almost seems like they need to do the exact same thing for Best Cloud. I feel like they are moving towards that though. I do yeah. feel like now since Best Twelve came out, I do feel like it's kind of molding into one of those like off the well it is an off the shelf shelf solution to an extent but I do feel like they're molding into more of a, a more streamlined approach to selling the product to the end user than before I think before it was very when I was trying to search up like when I first got into BB10 looking up uh, how how Bez worked and it was way too complicated to understand it now if you go visit the website it's a bit more intuitive and yeah. a little a little easier to gauge what you need and what you don't need, but as you guys mentioned, it still it still is fairly difficult to understand exactly uh, where you see the benefits and disadvantages depending on what aspect of Bez 12 you need, or like whether you need the cloud or things like that. There's there's going to be have to be like a consolidation, as Alex meant. If if there was a walkthrough kind of tutorial that took them through just kind of basic needs that you have as an enterprise user, and then you know offered you the best solution to to satisfy that, I think it'd be a lot more user intuitive. This is all yeah. good feedback for for those enterprise sales teams who are are working with those kinds of customers. I do feel though like uh, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that BlackBerry does behind the scenes when it comes to Bez is a lot of consulting work so like they consult with clients on what the best solution would be based on the products that they have and I think there's an extent to it where they do want to make it a bit more complicated than just you know really simple so that anybody can choose it they kinda of want you to go in and be able to ask them questions so that they can sell you uh, more things with it that, that's my impression of it at least yeah and I mean when it comes down to it, that's that's kind of a good way to be able to go ahead and get people, you know, quote unquote, in through the doors to be able to have discussions and, you know, sign off on more service upgrades and such. But at the same time, it you know, it creates a barrier of entry because some people just simply don't want to do that. But I mean, I think the 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 most impressive thing at this point is that um, when it comes when it comes directly to Bez 12 Cloud, is the fact that the majority of um, uh, uh, services that are actually available through Bez 12 Cloud are exactly on par with Bez 12 itself. Like that was one of the things that was kind of lagging previously. Um, the feature set that you could get through Bez 12 wasn't exactly the same as what you could get through Bez 12 Cloud, and they sort of brought that into parity now. Like, it, you know, it, let's put it in terms of versions. Like the the version that the enterprises can buy are also is also the same version that the um, small medium business owners can buy or the consumers can buy if they wish you get all get the majority of the exact same feature set which is really interesting because you know at that point in time you're paying a lot less for best cloud presumably because you have less users on it of course but 
the the feature set itself is exactly the same. There's feature parity there, which is really awesome when you actually sit down and you look at it because somebody who may possibly be looking at Bez 12, um, you know, maybe they don't necessarily need that full robust solution and they can save themselves some money by actually just integrating Bez 12 Cloud rather than going for a full-blown Bez. It's a nice way to sell it without actually having to, like, you know, go overboard or have people walk away like they're paying too much and not getting enough. Yeah. There's, there's got to be some kind of broader consolidation happening. I mean, if we look at the, you know, the good acquisition and some of the M&A strategy that they're working through, it just makes sense to kind of bring all, everything down and, and consolidate and condense it so that it's easier for people to digest because as, as, we, as we've talked about, BlackBerry's platform is kind of expansive at this point for secure communications and collaboration. So it's definitely a, a point for them to continue to develop on, and, and I hope they continue bringing more stuff into the fray uh, from the software side of things. Maybe we'll get Alex back uh, one of these days on the EMM <laughs> side of things. Um, you know, a, a long time coming on our next little bit of news. This is kind of some Crackberry news. There are some limited edition Crackberry shirts that are available on Crackberries for a limited time, so you definitely want to jump on those. Blaze, tell us a little bit about these shirts. Uh, well, I mean, basically, we, it's something that we've always wanted to essentially go ahead and do. I mean, every single day I get people emailing, asking us directly for Crackberry shirts and so on. Um, and we really, we, we've always had Crackberry shirts. The thing is that we always just generally gave them out during um, contests and stuff like that. So anytime that you see, like, the swag boxes or anything like that, people have, have gotten Crackberry shirts with Crackberry logos directly in those boxes. But, you know, people always have asked, where can you buy a Crackberry shirt on its own without actually having to, like, enter in a contest or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we finally got it together at this point in time to be able to go ahead and and you know deliver a crackberry shirt but they um, rather than sticking you know with just generally like a crackberry logo or a crackberry design we have we have the crackberry logo on the back of the shirts but you know if we go through we start off with the priv shirts and if they sell through then we'll continue on and offer up everybody you know some of those blackberry 10 shirts and they'll all be custom designs too it's not like you know we're not going to be taking like run-of-the-mill designs and putting them on the shirts. Um, we've done it with um, Android Central, we've done it with Windows Central, we've done it with iMore, so really it was it was time for Crackberry to go ahead and do it as well. So, you know, if people are interested in them, they can go ahead and pick them up. The prices start at like 20 bucks plus shipping, and, you know, again, if the interest is there and people order them, then we'll continue on, and if not, then we'll just uh, we'll cut it off at some point. But, again... The sales are looking good, even based off of the prib shirts. So it's hopefully something that we can continue on with. <laughs> Blaze is talking about these shirts like like BlackBerry talks about their hardware business. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's great. I, I definitely am looking. You know, I'm, I'm waiting at my mailbox for one. I'm just I'm just waiting at this point. I promise I'll uh, I'll I'll model it well for you. If if I if one happens to appear for me, <laughs> those Crackberry shirts are definitely pretty cool. So go check those out. When are you running the uh, this kind of sell through? Through I know you have like a date and period of time. When's like the last day someone could go get these? Uh, for these particular limited. Yeah, for these particular shirts, I believe it was March third. Let me just go back and double check. I believe it was March third though. Any point yeah. in time after March third, then you wouldn't be able to order them, and then they're cut off. They're done. 
you'll right. never see them again. So yeah, so um, it gives that gives people about a week and a half's time to to make a decision on those. Yeah, exactly. Dope. Uh, another little bit of news that we had here, and uh, it's it's interesting to see kind of how how they're working BBM these days. But BlackBerry actually teamed up with Barclays Ping it to bring in mobile payments through BBM. This is something we've kind of seen uh, BlackBerry do in other regions. So this one's kind of UK specific with Barclays. Uh, Ping it's a service that's kind of existed for a while in that region. Instead of trying to build in services to BBM. They're kind of doing the reverse and building BBM into other services, which is smart to a degree, right? Because it allows them a lot more, uh, you know, sway as they head into different markets such as these. Uh, really cool to see kind of payments now being integrated and BBM being one of those trusted providers of that kind of collaboration medium. Uh, what do you guys think about continued expansion of BBM in this way? I mean, I know Alex is probably pretty satisfied with the PayPal integration that we currently have, but do you think this region-specific kind of a niche effort from them is, is important for BBM's growth and, and, of course, monetization? I think anything that they do with BBM is good. I mean, so from how this sounds, they is this actually being integrated within BBM or... Yeah, it's okay, from so the Barclays app, so you can yeah. apparently from the description like share to BBM. Yeah, um, like if you do an e-money transfer now, you can email or something, send it through yeah. email. Uh, yeah. This would just be you send it through BBM, so you can put a BBM pin in there, and so and I I would imagine if you have BBM installed on your device, it would be able it to link through your BBM contacts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that's good. I mean, absolutely. I, I'm just looking at the app right now. At least on Android, it has one to five million installs. So you know, that's not bad, I guess. Um, I guess compared to like what BBM has, 200 million, everything. It's really not that much. But um, I've been well, happy enough. It's regional with, too. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and the other one that they were doing as well, like that wasn't focused towards the U.S. whatsoever. Um, so I think it's good for them to just do these individual apps and focus primarily on various regions, at least try and get BBM out there. And then you have these things going on with WhatsApp where, uh, or Facebook, they're talking about kind of putting ads within Facebook Messenger and within WhatsApp and things. So I think BlackBerry, as long as you just keep pushing BBM and do smart things like, you know, integrations with mobile payments and don't do anything crazy with ads, people, like, maybe they'll look for somewhere to switch to and maybe it could be BBM. I don't know. Um, probably not, but... Hopefully, <laughs> I'm thinking that oh, you know, a lot of the the value add here as well is it just kind of makes that application more sticky for those users. You know, uh, having Android Wear, you know, enable BBM was one of those things that it may not bring you to the platform, but it may keep you on the platform, you know, a little bit longer and hopefully keep expanding your your contact list and things of that nature. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see it, and I hope the the regional focus is something that continues to work for them. You know, as I said, I think it's pretty interesting that they're kind of working backwards instead of building, ping it into BBM. It's kind of the reverse, which is which is cool, right? I mean, you can invoke those applications together and still kind of create that functionality. Uh, you know, I wish there were more options, kind of on a regional basis, for the U.S. aside from PayPal. You know, if there was more direct bank kind of integration, that stuff would be really cool to expand kind of BBM money in, in that overall platform. Yeah, that's what I was kind of holding out hope for: is basically direct interaction with the banks. You know, like, um, I don't know, TD Bank or whatever like that. If I could hook up my TD Bank account directly to my BBM and send money to my mom while I'm here in Arizona or whatever, that would be absolutely perfect, you know. Um, it just seems like that, that would be a natural progression. But at the same time, you know, 
when you when you start directly working with banks, there's a lot of uh, regulatory. Yeah, there's uh, a ton of for, red tape. It takes forever. It. It's the same thing Basically, with the that's a, that's like why 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 mobile payments haven't necessarily taken off where NFC payments uh, at this point is because there's so much red tape with it. So yeah. It's and and those deals, you know, sometimes they're of a short period of time because they want to pilot and test, and you know, these things you got to keep get keep getting recommitments to, and it's definitely a lot of laborious kind of back and forth to get those deals to go through. Uh, again, small deals like this to impact those those key regions for Blackbird, I think, are definitely going to help keep the BBM numbers up and sustained, so they continue working on that kind of revenue engine that's coming from BBM because I know it's it's costing them money to keep it running, you know. Yeah, it's kind of good to see some life coming back to BBM after after a while in terms of the mobile payments. Because I know last year they were talking a lot about it. That was one of the first things. I forget who who the head of BBM is now, but when he came online uh, over to BlackBerry, uh, kind of one of the first things he said is that they're gonna pursue these mobile mobile payment um, initiatives. And, and I think we all got excited at the time, and we're going to be like, oh, we can just send money back and forth, mo like through mobile, link up our bank accounts and things like that. Uh, and so this is kind of going towards that direction. I think uh, Blaze said it perfectly. There's a lot of red tape, and uh, but it's nice to see progress moving on it nonetheless. No, definitely. I mean, for me, my PayPal is connected to my bank account, so I mean... The, the the level there is pretty nice because PayPal is just kind of my interface between the, between the two. And it's pretty accessible almost everywhere, so I can't really complain yeah. about did, you know, uh, what they've done so far. I did find it amusing that they still managed to work uh, a conversation about stickers and uh, emojis directly into the, the ping it uh, announcement, though. It was kind of kind of amusing. I'm like, what? Can really? you use pink to buy stickers and shit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, once you, I forget what the actual thing said, but it was like, once you add your BBM link to ping it, you can initiate a transaction daily from within a BBM conversation, like you would send a photo or a sticker. <laughs> Working them stickers every chance they get. <laughs> they can do something where like every e transfer you get a free sticker. <laughs> You can't. You can't even. Don't give, don't give them ideas. We're getting a bunch of like currency stickers now, or something. <laughs> you can't even hate on them, right? The hustle is real, right? <laughs> and you know, I can only I can only appreciate the efforts they're making on that front because, <laughs> you know, money is money. You got to make it right for for us to continue using the service because you know we like it and it's something a lot of us use, at least here or there. So I, I'm excited to see. You know, Alex turned me on to this Floatify app, so now I'm getting. My instant replies and notifications and all that stuff. Did you buy it? No, not yet. Because it limits right. you to like 20 characters or something until you buy it. That gets frustrating fairly quickly. Does it? I'm not trying to have a full conversation and an instant reply. I'll well, you, you know how I talk, so. Yeah, yeah. Alex writes <laughs> novels in his replies. Alex and then he apologizes for it after. He knows that he does it. He's like, I'm sorry for such a long message. Uh. At least, you know, I'm I'm the kind of guy who sends you like, like seven messages. That's really like one message. So at least Alex kind of like consolidates it all into one. I'm the guy who sends like line by line my thought list. Uh, so and I'm the guy Alex who will just send you one letter, Kay. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Brandon, Brandon doesn't use BBM because I do use BBM. You probably use it more than uh than Blaze does these days. Yeah, probably. 
you, do you talk with your family on it most yeah, of the time? Yeah, my or? whole family is on it. Uh, I'd say probably half my friends are on it. And it's either BBM or Facebook chat, really, that I use. Wow, half uh, of your friends. I wish yeah. I had, like, any friends that would use BBM. Text, text messaging has kind of gone the way of the dodo, basically, for me. Dude, I have to text every day. That's the worst. Uh, I'm dude, jealous of you. Oh, what? Oh, I, my mom. Yeah. Oh, man. I tend to have, like, a lot of my friends tend to have fewer iPhones. I find people who have iPhones are more into texting because uh, the integration between the texting and iMessage is, is right there. So a yeah. lot of them just prefer to, to text. They don't even think about it as technology. Yeah. Whereas people I find on, like, an Android device are more open to using, like, an alternative messaging uh, thing like Facebook or Google Chat or whatever, right? Or Hangouts, I mean. Or BBM. That's because just... Messenger and SMS sucks on Android unless you actually have a secondary app. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had Textra. I was using Textra. I really liked Textra. I went through a device swap to one priv to another priv. Went back to Messenger, and I haven't gone back to Textra. I don't know why. Uh, maybe Alex will say I'm crazy, but... I, I didn't. I wasn't on the paid version. I'll tell, I'll say that. So I was on the basic version, and Messenger just works for the basics, you know. And I don't need, you know, customization or, or things like that. I don't know how you guys feel, but are you guys using Hangouts for texting or or what on Priv specifically? No, Hangouts was giving. Well, okay, it's kind of tough. I, I put my mom and I put like kind of all of my family on Hangouts when I first got everyone like Privs, and um, there were points in time where my mom would be texting uh, my aunt, so her, well, they're actually not totally related, so whatever, that's regardless, um, but they'd be texting each other back and forth, and then all of a sudden it would switch over to a Hangouts message, because they were both on Hangouts, but my aunt has no idea she even has a Hangout, so then, like, they were getting all confused, they're like, I just want to text her, I don't want to Hangout her, and it was like, well, it doesn't really matter, like, this is a better way to do it, and it's doing it automatically, and then they just had me, like, revert everything, so I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to try and push technology into people's lives, because then they get confused and I have to fix it, so why not just put whatever they're used to? <laughs> um, but I have the main problem where group, I, I'm in a lot of group I'm, I'm chats and like they're not going through and I'm not receiving a lot of stuff, so that's what I dislike about um, just the Messenger app and various things, whereas Textra seemed to fix a little bit of that, but they're still problematic, so really I kind of jumped into Textra simply because it fixed one of my problems. I, I turned on like the T-Mobile fix and it helped it a little bit. Did you, um, uh, did you pay James? Yeah, go James, ahead. James is using Messenger now, but and you know it's a great app until it doesn't work, and then when it doesn't work, that's when you get really upset, and you you'll end up switching over to Texture or something else. The good first thing I good thing I don't have friends, so I guess, <laughs> yeah. there's that. The only people I'm messaging are like me, myself, and I, so it works for the most part. <laughs> you know, I probably will end up back on Texture. I do like the dark theme that it had, and you know the battery conservation or whatever. What I noticed as well was Textra in the hub would just pop an overlay on the hub as opposed to like launching another separate application, which Messenger does for, for every single kind of a thread. So it was kind of cool to see that. And uh, you know, I almost wish there was like more integration between the hub and Textra. Like maybe they could get together and talk it out. Uh, <laughs> but what needs to be added to Textra to make but it happen? Textra actually works well with the hub because you click a conversation and whereas like the Messenger app, It'll so kind of like open up a new app, whereas Texture just does like an overlay, and then you can just back right out and be right back in the hub. I thought it actually had like decent integration compa compared to the other solutions. So yeah, Texture's app is built very well in terms of the UI and, and everything. 
Uh, you definitely can't fault it there. It, it kind of almost falls in line with what BlackBerry Hub's doing with their side swipes as well, so it it almost feels more yeah. yep. more appropriate on more, the device. More even so than the Hub does. Like, it does a better job with that than the Hub does. So... You don't, need to, you don't need to curse at us, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I love the BlackBerry Hub on Proof. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I, Did I Alex get, like... get crap in the comments for like yes. not using the Hub or something? Alex isn't yeah, a BlackBerry I, fan anymore. He doesn't even use the I, Hub. I want to, and I love the Hub. It's just I don't love the Android it. Hub. It's not <laughs> my fault. It's not my fault. You know, I, I've really simplified my device layout. Like Instead of multiple pages, I just have one page. I have the pop-up widgets that matter. I've got the apps that matter. Alex, the uh, BlackBerry Hub isn't much better, to be honest, these days. (laughs) I've had, like, a voicemail in my BlackBerry Hub that I cannot, like, get away. Like, I've called my voicemail, deleted all my voicemails and stuff, and I still have this notification. It's been there for, like, a month. It's impossible to delete, like, Twitter notifications, though, in the Android version, so you have, like, 50-plus Twitter notifications at all points in time, always. Oh, you can you can delete them, mark them as red, they're always there. So, like, they, there's there's always going to be little problems here and there. But, yeah, the, the integration with voicemails, I remember that was a big problem on BB10 as well. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to <laughs> get you, this one notification, like, Brandon, you have to do at least myself another notification and delete that. Will that get rid of it, or I, I think you need to call your you need to call your voicemail and delete it through the voicemail system so that it deletes in your hub. Yeah, probably, which which just blows. You know, at this point, I think like that's like upgrade to priv. Like that's what that voicemail is telling you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Just kidding. I still have that ghost notification on my Android one too. AT&T's <laughs> voicemail is like the ugliest app I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Alex got to test the visual voicemail being. Yeah, AT&T bothered. doesn't win any awards for their apps like looking good or anything. So. <laughs> Ugly. But, you know, it works, right? That's the most important piece. I want to kind of wind into our, our last bit of conversation here, a little bit kind of outside the scope of what we normally talk about, talking about the BlackBerry news, but it's something that is, I think, kind of timely to what obviously BlackBerry has been doing for years and as well, you know, one of their biggest competitors is now facing this against one of BlackBerry's potentially biggest clients, which is just one of those kind of odd and ironic pieces there. Apple's CEO, Tim Cook, put out a letter and message to their customers talking basically about how the United States government has demanded Apple take a step uh, that potentially threatens their customers and has opposed, you know, orders and different implications that, are, you know, they're bringing legal action to make Apple go ahead and, and open up some of what iOS does to help them basically, uh, you know, gain access to to some of these iOS and iPhone devices. Again, one of those odd things that, for us, it seems like one of those things BlackBerry's probably been dealing with for for years and years now, and it's kind of odd to see it kind of come to light in, you know, at the start of 2016. I feel like this is an issue that's probably been more prevalent than just now, but now we're just hearing about it because Apple's put their, uh, their word in on it. I really liked how some of the other top tech companies just started co-signing on Apple's letter, right, without really kind of voicing their own opinion. A yeah, few did here and there, but... Obviously, like, everybody's going to jump on it when it benefits them, right? You know? Like, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, we support Apple, and it's like a lot of them, like, I'm sure they have a good reason to support them, but a lot of them I find it's more just because it makes good financial sense to support them than anything. It's essentially, like, just so I have this straight, what I've been reading, because sometimes it's really hard to (laughs) to get to the bottom of what all this is, is essentially the FBI 
there's a phone that Apple has or somebody has like an iPhone or something. The FBI want Apple to produce something that allows the FBI to stick some software on the phone so that it can be unlocked and and they can get the information from the phone. And essentially, the issue is if they do that and give it to the FBI, the FBI will able to be able to do that on every iPhone. Is that what the issue is here? Uh, close to, enough. To a degree. To a degree. Yeah, yeah that's, clo- that's close enough. A little bit of the variables are mixed up there, but that's that's close enough. Basically, they the FBI wants Apple to go ahead and open up the device because of the fact that it has a passcode on it. And if it, you know... If they go past 10, it automatically wipes the device. So the FBI wants Apple to go ahead, create an OS that is loadable on there that bypasses the password limit so that they can get into it. And j- but just through, through brute force attacks in their own method, you know, their own software systems to do so. My thing is, and, and, and you know, I want to hear you guys' opinion on this, but this seems kind of, I don't want to say obscene from the FBI, but it's, it feels like something to me that they wouldn't ask if they didn't feel comfortable with Apple actually giving them access. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like they w- I feel like the FBI probably thought this of a lot less of a stink than Apple is, right? And I feel like Apple may be just tired of bending over for the U.S. government, and they're finally kind of putting their foot down. Because I, I bet they've gotten requests like this kind of consistently, and they've had to kind of bend to the will of some of these court orders and junctions. That, you know, they're kind of drawing the line in the sand for themselves as to, you know, how, how much do we actually give, right? Do we just offer it all up, or do we defend kind of what we're trying to sell here, which is the secure ecosystem through and through? Alex, what are some of your thoughts on, on the whole piece? Did you happen to read that letter to the customers from Tim Cook? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been reading, I, I kind of go on our forward slash Android, and they, they had this whole discussion about it, and it was kind of infuriating, actually, because a lot of people, they were bringing up a conversation with Marty Beard where they were kind of saying, um, oh, what was it exactly? It was like, you know, BlackBerry believes in in a mixture between the two, you know, a giving some... <laughs> Yeah, and like, and then everyone's reading into that, and then I remember there are all these arguments in the past where it's like, well, read the next paragraph after that, and it was where like Chen was kind of saying, like, he he explained it a little bit better, where they're not going to just like give all of your information away. It was like for certain reasoning, and I I don't know, it's just this whole argument that happens everywhere that I'm like, it's kind of annoying at this point. Everyone just immediately like, judges like, oh, this person said this, and this is the way that it is, and yeah. Um, I don't know how how I feel about all of it, but I definitely do think that it's good for. How do you feel about it, Alex? <laughs> yeah, no, that was no, my question. I, so. I do no, no, no. I do think that it's good that it's brought up. Like the fact that people right now are making a big deal about Tim Cook talking about this in security encryption, like that gets people talking about security, which is can't be a bad thing for BlackBerry. So I think it's good, you know, that people are talking about it, and that's kind of how I feel about it. How do I feel specifically about the whole scenario? I don't know. I kind of need to maybe read a little bit more into it and hear a little bit more opinions about it to form my own. Um, but I do think it's a good thing overall for BlackBerry because then we start talking about encryption. People who don't give a crap about all of that now they're starting to think about security and BlackBerry and things. But is it really a good thing for BlackBerry? Because yes, and <laughs> Blaze is here right now to give out the worst retweet of the week award to BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, you know, BlackBerry wasn't drug into this conversation by, you know, the masses at this point as of yet. And really, 
it's I don't think it's a situation that BlackBerry should force themselves upon. Like you know, if somebody is if the masses started bringing up BlackBerry into that conversation and and questioning how BlackBerry was doing things, um, you know, at the same time, it, that would be something to go ahead and get involved in. Um, you know, if there was some sort of like direct relation to BlackBerry at this point, but right now there isn't. Like, yes, there is in there is a direct relation in the fact that BlackBerry uses encryption as well, and they have dealt with similar things in the past, but BlackBerry is not part of this conversation right now, and not directly, and I don't feel as though that they should go ahead and force themselves into this part, portion of it, because Apple is taking all of the heat at this point. Like, do you really want to go ahead and basically take all of the heat that Black, that Apple is facing and, and push it upon yourselves at that point? Like, yeah. do you want to become part of the scrutiny and be a part of that conversation? I don't... I don't, I don't. I just don't think that it would behoove BlackBerry to go ahead and directly jump into this conversation. Um, You're right. I in, mean, no one, no one uses BlackBerry devices anyway, so I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, let's be realistic here. And really, the only thing that we've heard from BlackBerry thus far was that one particular retweet, which was. Just Fox yeah, News. Kim, like, come on, like don't. Kimber Kimberly, Kimberly Guilfoyle, like, come on, come on. You know, don't and, and, and Fox News ever. Please, please, BlackBerry. I mean, just, just don't. And <laughs> it's funny because I think it's an interesting conversation because Apple is an American company, right? Whereas BlackBerry is a Canadian company. There's a little bit of a difference in terms of, you know, data access and, and overreach through international waters. I know Apple's worry is that if the FBI get something, you know, to, to back-end iOS to a degree that other governments may just ask for the same thing under the same kinds of rules, right? It sets a, an interesting precedent for others to ask for that same information, and, you know, the more that, that, that tool is out there, the more potential for abuse. Um, it, it really makes you wonder whether at this point, it, do, can we trust these technology companies to really be the safeguards of our security, or does there need to be more kind of legal and legislative, you know, power and input on what some of these changes are. And uh, where, where does the border lie, like, in terms exactly. of, like, security amongst, you know, people out there? Like, how many people are satisfied with the fact that, you know, let, let's use Apple as the example because that is, of course, the topic situation, but, like, where does the border lie? Like, are you satisfied with knowing that if there is a terrorist out there that Apple could go ahead and unlock this? device, but are you also satisfied that if you were the same individual facing the, the scrutiny of a terrorist, that they could go ahead and unlock your information as well? I mean, there's so, so many different stances that could be taken on this, and, you know, it, it, as as a Canadian, I find it interesting that they're, they're basically, you know, looking at it from the American side of things, again, to James's point, it's an American company who is doing this, and they have to follow the American rules and such, but, you know, again, like, where, where does the border lie in terms of that encryption? Like, who gets to say that this is a valid reason for unlocking this de device, but this other situation that we're facing isn't a valid reason for unlocking this device. It's, it's right. So, so you know, you know what I find weird is that people, when it comes to mobile technology and things like that, they kind of assume that, you know, 
the the people producing the devices um, are responsible for making their device secure. And if you think about it, you think of your own house or something like that. The builder builds your house, but it's up to you to make sure it has like an alarm system, that you have your windows closed so that people can't see what you're doing in your house, things like that. And I feel like people don't realize that your phone is a device and that the way you use it and, and, mm -hmm. and how you you manage what you do on that device um, is, is, is on your responsibility to keep it secure. And I feel like uh, a lot of people, when they talk about security, and, and especially with these big profile things that happen is that people just assume that you know companies building devices have to protect you when in reality there has to be you know some cooperation between users and uh, device manufacturers and there has to be you know less of this nanny state kind of expectation from people regarding security and I feel like this whole this whole conversation is it, just leaning towards one way where people are like Oh, like nothing should be able to come into my phone, and it's like, well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of difficult to ensure that nothing can hack your phone, right? Yeah, yeah, especially then, there's there's people out there who scream, you know, that they want their devices 110 percent secure, but then this situation arises again. It goes back to that where where is the where do you draw the line situation? Like everybody wants their devices to be secure, but at the same time, these people who want their devices to be secure are also cheering on the FBI to be able to go ahead and get this Apple device unlocked. Like, yeah, you know, and it's how, like how can you as an individual want your device to be unbreakable in its encryption state, but somebody else doesn't have that same right? Like it's so, it's just such a messy. It's preposterous. Situation, <laughs> it's preposterous. Yeah. You know, and to, to Brandon's point about the user really determining their own security. I mean, Apple puts an implementation of a fingerprint ID, right? But it's your fingerprint, right? If you misuse your fingerprint and it gets into the wrong hands, you know, it's you know, compromise could still come about. Even the technological, you know, advancements in security implementations that are put on, right? I mean, there are multiple ways that you can bust an egg open but I think specifically with what BlackBerry does and what a lot of these you know OEMs are doing there's a potential that these kinds of gateways could be abused by others who go in and you know modify code and things like that I would agree with Apple to a degree that if they break kind of iOS's encryption it becomes pointless it's like why build it in in the first place if you're just gonna have us break right. it it's not something that you can just go back and fix, right? It's like you'd have to rebuild everything, right, and build something totally new again, which, you know, maybe that's something they might do in the future anyway, right? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge on some of the uh, talent they've brought over from BlackBerry. But, um, you know, it's one of those really interesting pieces that it, it's going to be hard to determine who really has the say here. Is it the user? Is it... The government, I, I believe this device was also a corporate device, if I'm not mistaken, this iPhone, which yeah, puts it even kind of an, yeah, it puts it in an even kind of weirder place, right? Like, why wasn't it managed by Bez or something that, like, those things could just be, be done on demand, right, in terms yeah. of the, the mobile device management side of things. You know, Alex, my question to you relative to this Apple kind of news is, do you think that this conversation is 
going to continue in, in a positive direction? Or do you really think that Apple's going to kind of win out here and, and get their way, so to speak, on this particular device? Because if you look at the case and everything, it's almost kind of like in the past, it's said and done. And of course, we all, you know, our condolences to those involved and who are, have been affected by this. But it, it's something that's almost in the past, like why does, why does the FBI need this tool now, you know, mm -hmm. after the fact of, of what's happened and occurred? As tragic as it is, it almost seems like it's it's like a puff piece of 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 leverage that they're using in, in this instance against I, Apple. I find it, I just find it weird because it's like I have to imagine that the FBI, like the NSA, which is another federal agency, has got to have been able to hack iPhones, right? Uh, so I'm, I like I don't even understand why, like like you said, uh, James, uh, the FBI probably went to Apple because. It was a fairly routine thing to do, and it was fairly easy to do. Uh, and this backlash is probably unexpected. But I mean, really, if the FBI wanted to get into that phone, they could probably just do some coordination with some other, you know, federal agency and just hack it or something like that. You know, they wouldn't need. Uh, Especially Apple. if they have the, de the device in their possession. I mean, I yeah. can't imagine. And I get Apple would be worried about you know potential misuse of this and you know things like that, but. It, it does send an interesting precedent, and I, and I don't think we are there yet for that precedent to be set. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not there to, for that kind of decision to be made anytime soon on on encryption, especially as you know, as we head toward the IoT and the, the connected world, and we're seeing the G5 and all of its accessories, and you know, Samsung doing what they're doing, and there's so much is happening right now to expand on mobile that you know it's so early to say encryption is this way or that way because ultimately it's going to change the value of what that encryption actually means to these hardware OEMs and. For BlackBerry, that could potentially have a lot of insight, you know. Uh, yeah. You, you know, know I, people... Yeah, go ahead, Alex. I, I kind of see. I envision this in kind of the same scenario where, say, you know, like Target, they got hacked and like everyone's credit cards were taken, and it was like this whole big ordeal, and people really talked about it for I don't know, even months. Like it was a big deal for a while because they stole like millions upon millions of credit cards and everything, but it kind of blew over, and then like it didn't affect target whatsoever after that. People just forget about it, and I kind of think this thing. is going to be one of those everybody things. Everybody cares about security, but once yeah. that, when the shit hits the fan, everybody yeah. forgets about it. Three months later, it's yeah. done. Like, no one cares. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> why does everything relate to BlackBerry's hardware division? Like, why, why does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing. I don't know. There, there's so much, there's so much stuff that, that needs to be worked out in this particular case. Like, also... I mean, I'm not I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, and I don't think that was something that Apple actually sent out to do. But to be able to go ahead and get positive press off of this, it, I don't think that that was necessarily the case. I mean, they're obviously in a situation in which they need to respond, anyways. Um, you know, whether you be for it or be against it, but at the same time, all of this information, like like Brandon said, like how come? How come these other or federal organizations can't get together and basically hack the iPhone, right? Well, maybe they can't. Like, it, it almost comes off as a positive piece um, in in the encryption debate for Apple because of the fact that the FBI can't open this device. They they have directly gone to Apple to be able to go ahead and help to, to request their help to open up the device. So, you know, at that point in time, it literally does become... A, a positive situation for BlackBerry in the PR department because of the fact that, like, hey, the FBI can't even get in this phone. Like, 
you know like, again I'm not I'm not saying that that's the case or that that's Apple's intention or anything like that it definitely comes off that way though for sure right <laughs> it's like and, and that's one of those things that's weird because there's been a lot of co-signing on the security capabilities of iOS lately and it's like but really what foundation is there there right the bigger and bigger you get the more exploited you're going to be and we see people jailbreak and you know do all these things to the iPhone. So really, you know, how hard is it to, to get bypassed on some of those uh, some of those items? Yeah. I I agree. It's it's one of those odd odd things and that. Uh, <laughs> here's here's something else to consider in terms of, of the BlackBerry conversation as well. We've seen Google come out and basically um, be in support of Apple. You know, they didn't necessarily. Sundar Pichai didn't go out and make some sort of huge announcement or anything like that, but he definitely, you know, showed support in terms of, of Apple's situation. But, you know, take a step back and look at the situation when it comes to BlackBerry. You have BlackBerry 10, and you have what? You have a Google device. So what does BlackBerry do in that situation? You know what? Like... Make it, it make it run hot. <laughs> let's, let's, let's put BlackBerry in that situation, and they, they basically say, okay... The, let, let's say that Apple, or sorry, let's just say that Black, that BlackBerry had a situation where the FBI wanted to go ahead and unlock a priv. Who do they go to? Do they go to BlackBerry? Do they go to Google? Because what if BlackBerry says no, and Google says, yeah, we'll do whatever we can to go ahead and unlock it. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a weird that scenario. That is. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Right? That is pretty, that's pretty trippy. And I can only imagine when they launched that Windows or Tizen phone as Brandon so desperately yeah. wanted. You know, it's going to get even more messy from there. It's really just one of those funny things because, you know, here they go on tomorrow. As we say about every four episodes of Upstream, right? Like, as we talk about this stuff, it's it's here for now and it's going to be going to be going tomorrow. I'm interested to see kind of what else may come. But I really think, for, as Brandon kind of highlighted earlier, this is probably a routine ask from the FBI, and they're probably surprised that Apple's gone public with it because, as, as Blaze mentioned, it's probably more for self-serving reasons than anything else at this point. Really hard to see some genuine kind of uh, need to, to, to handle this so publicly as they have been um, and, and really be kind of vague about the specifics from, from either side. So uh, just some food for thought there. Um, while we're here closing up, our patron questions were all relative to our... Uh, our discussion about the you know the Apple news and the encryption uh, aspect there, you know BlackBerry's been in doing encryption for so long. I'm interested in seeing what some of you guys think. Is is encryption something you think that's going to become more pervasive and and better on future devices, or is there going to be a rift in the market where we have devices that are fo not focused on encryption and some that are, or, or where we're, whether we're, in, in the future, all devices are going to be encrypted kind of all the time, as, as we're kind of headed to, right? Uh, do you think Android is going to go to that place where it's always encrypted all the time by default, kind of like the Priv is right now? Or do you think it's going to stay user-defined? Because I personally, on my device, yeah. would like the option at least, right? That's exactly what I was going to say, because like realistically, some of the performance hits might be due to that. And, and even if it's not, I really wish I had the ability to switch it off just so I can physically A-B test and be like, okay, maybe it isn't the encryption, so I'll just leave the encryption on. Um, but I, I don't feel like Android will ever force it unless like there's definitely no performance hit or if, I don't know, people should have the option. Like, no different than saying, whatever you're thinking right now, that's encryption. Like, it's encrypted. Your thoughts are encrypted. When you speak it, that's when it's unencrypted. So why should we, why would we be able to choose what, if we want our phone to be encrypted or not encrypted? That shouldn't be decided for us. 
Um, but yeah, I think phones probably will go more so towards encrypted, or at least BlackBerry is going to be that one kind of focus that really does that. I don't know. Choice I, is always a good thing, though. With the way things are going these days, I'm I'm leaning towards the fact that everybody will basically be, you know, quote unquote, selling encryption at that point in time. Like, you know, everybody wants to go ahead and have their devices secured. Like I said, people scream for their devices to be secure. But at the end of the day, a lot of them really don't, you know, they just genuinely don't care. But they'll, they'll still be out there screaming. So I think that every organization who has the ability to go ahead and create these encrypted devices, plus with the scenarios of all the hackings and everything else that happens in the world, like everything is going to be encrypted. Like even your web pages nowadays are all using HTTPS. Like, Mm-hmm. The world is except massive. for Barry Flow. Yeah, <laughs> the world is massively heading towards you know broader encryption, encrypt all the things, if you will, and you know that that is. I I believe that this whole Apple FBI thing is basically you know we we've been talking about encryption for years. However, it, this Apple FBI thing is one of the things that is going to go ahead and push that conversation even further um, because you, you see the backlash that, that some of the organizations are, are facing. Like people, you know, e- individual countries are calling for devices to be able to be unlocked and, you know, companies are pushing back and saying, no, people, the people deserve this encryption. Like it's their right to have this encryption. It's such a such a broad scenario across um, countries and states and whatever. Like it's just so crazy, and I think um, you know it, we're going to reach the point where everything is going to be at least potentially have the ability to be encrypted to go ahead and keep the users secure as possible and protect people's privacy. Um, you know it, that's what makes the the arguments so so vast. Like. If I buy a phone, let's say for example in the future, if I buy a phone in Canada and I suddenly move to the UK or whatever, is the UK government going to go ahead and force me to make that phone an unencrypted device because they don't believe that all the users should have encryption? Like it's so crazy how 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 advanced these conversations are actually getting and how much further they still have to go in terms of any sort of resolution. So, you know when it comes down to like companies wanting backdoors and or sorry governments wanting backdoors and corporations systems and stuff like that it's just immense it's definitely yeah. going to be a, a really evolving kind of conversation did brandon just dip out without saying goodbye <laughs> yeah i believe he did wow. <laughs> what a guy what a guy no priv love for uh, for brandon still it's probably why he's upset just as we close out here i want to give a, a big shout out to Tom over at UCarbon, I actually put a beautiful blue skin on my red passport. Nice. It Wait. does look nice, and you still have the red and the black. I mean, you can't even tell there's a skin on this side, right, or the bottom, but the nice blue, I don't know if you guys can see it, but I, I left a little bit of red trim at the top, so it's kind of like a red, black, and blue kind of logo at the center. Um, last upstream, number 87, runtime, we actually did a contest, and we're giving away one of our skins, and our winner of this skin, which is our Darkwood Priv skin, is Matt Stevenson. Uh, you've already been emailed, so hit me up back on the email, and we will get in contact for shipping on this bad boy. Thank you for everyone who uh, put a comment and uh, continue to engage with us. Um, we're always fun to, to give out these goodies. Uh, I really like the skins personally. I was surprised uh, with just how much I like them. I thought the, the texture would be a little bit weird, and 
kind of weird me out, but uh, I was surprised. I like them. And DJ, if you check her out on Crackberry, she's got an awesome post on installation and her impressions of the U-Carbon skins as well. So if we don't take it from me, take it from her. They are pretty nice, uh, so go check those out. Uh, Blaze, would you ever run a skin on your device or uh, even just for well, fun, like for, like one day, you know, like dress it up for one day? I really like the look of skins. I really enjoy how they come out, but I have terribly large hands, and when it comes down to putting those skins on, I just can't do it, man. Like, no matter, I've tried pretty much every possible skin company out there, and every time I go to put one on, I screw that sucker up, so, I, you know, it's just one of those things. I would, I would literally have to pay somebody else to install it to be able to go ahead and actually enjoy it. <laughs> This is why I keep a lady around who's who, who's near and dear to my heart, who hopefully has more steady hands than I do. I will admit, like I had to like hold my breath while I was putting these skins on, just because I didn't want to don't want to mess it up. But you know, even, it, even screen protectors, man, like I yeah, screw yeah. them up all the time. Like Dude, I can, can I tell you this funny story about the screen protector? I cut the screen protector. It's like a three piece, right? It's like a sandwich. One side, the actual screen protector, and then another. Well, I put the one side on, and I'm going to pull like to try to take that top layer off, and I just pull yeah. the whole screen protector off, and I'm like, wait a minute. Is there a screen protector on it? And I'm like freaking out. Yeah, I know, I I know those one. ones. And you know what? The thing is, is that usually I, I end up putting the wrong side on, and I'm like, man, that looks good. <laughs> and you realize later, it's like, oh, shit, I totally put the wrong side on. Like, that's not even the right side that should be on the screen. Like, I fail so hard at, at putting on skins and screen protectors. I just come to the conclusion that I'll just run everything naked at this point. <laughs> but I do like, you know, about skin specifically and – and, you know, to each his own, right? I really like some of the, the small customizations you can do. For instance, on U-Carbon, you can get just, like, the BlackBerry logo in whatever co color vinyl or material you want, right? Just if you want to change the, lo you know, just the BlackBerry logo color, right? If you want to do small accents, you can do that as well. You can, like, you can mix and match what kind of skins you get, right, if you want a red back and, and black sides or gold sides or, you know, whatever. You can kind of do that. They even got some crazy, like, pandemonium stuff going on with, like, panda decals, which... You know, whatever floats your boat. But it's it's really cool to see those kinds of customizations. Specific for Priv, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of really good skins to choose from, so it's nice that there's one out there to choose from. Uh, Alex, are are you in the same boat as uh, Blaze that you just you got to keep it naked? Yeah, well, I I really think it's the texture. Like I like the grippiness texture um, on the phone, and when you throw a screen protector, well, not a screen protector, that doesn't make any sense. If you throw like the the casing on and everything like that, it just I don't know. I, I, I also don't like putting it on and not being perfect. And I'm actually, I remember, recall hearing about this. They just started doing this recently. You can actually um, get screen protectors put on your iPhones at Apple stores now. They just recently started doing them. They'll do it, like, perfectly because they have this whole mechanism where, like, they put the screen protector in, they put your phone, they close it, and all this crazy stuff. So um, I actually don't have a screen protector on my phone right now, though. And I guess I have enough faith. You hear that... And all this technology goes into building this, like, shatter-proof-resistant-ish um, glass. And it's like, really, do you really need a screen protector? Do you really need casing? So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely the same. I don't really like putting anything on. And it's easier. And it's cheaper. And I don't know. It's, I don't it, know. Can be, it can be nice, but I will say, you know, I'm always looking to change things up. So it is nice to kind of have those options at least, even if it's like a small little red accent here or red accent there. I did a lineup with all my my red devices, and I was just in bliss with like my red my red <laughs> Z, my red Z10 and you know the red Passport and and the red Priv that I ended up uh, setting up. So it's I like it's a the lot. 
I like the idea of being able to go ahead and change like certain certain accents on the device. Right. Like you, said, you can get one for the BlackBerry logo or whatever. That would be that would be something that I would be interested in doing, like changing up the silver on my silver. Or, or, or like you know, like or just around the camera module, right? Like yeah, one of those exactly. small little small little accents. Stuff that I can't there. screw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a straight line. I mean, you, you can't, right? Uh, it is, is it just cool that that's an option available? One thing that I liked as a concept was not using a case because of added bulk, but using a skin and a screen protector as kind of like a seal around the device to kind of protect it from most things, right? Yeah. So if you don't necessarily want to go like bare naked, you can kind of keep it mostly naked. Uh, this just sounds weird coming come from me, but <laughs> really interesting that you know those options are available if you don't want to just dive into a case and add all that extra bulk. Um, you can get some really nice textures and, and even kind of keep that carbon weave look if that's something you're into. Brandon, you missed our whole conversation on vinyl skins, but uh, I'm thinking oh, I'm thinking uh, this point we need to jump to our after show, gentlemen. Down show. We, cover, we covered our – we'll be talking a little bit about Alex's love life, a little bit about my <laughs> love life. We'll be talking about Brandon's love life, and we'll be just talking about Blaze's, <laughs> Blaze's vape life on our after show. So, uh, <laughs> those are, those so are always totally read my mind. I was going to crack a joke about vape life. But <laughs> exactly. It, it, we're, we're on that level, level I believe. So, uh, this has been Upstream number 88. Again, this show is sponsored by viewers just like you, supporting us on our Patreon. Uh, Brandon showed his shirt earlier. I'll show mine once again. Uh, you guys made it happen for us. Matt Stevenson, check your email, man. Let's, let me get this sent out to you. Thank you, everyone, for continuing participating. I believe, hold on here, let me check my calendar. This time next week on Monday, we're actually going to be running a contest for a BlackBerry device as well. I think Crackberry right now is giving away a priv on their website as well. So you know, go yeah, check yeah. out. Go check out what we have until the end of the month to check that post out, and then we will announce a winner. Dope. Uh, do you see any kind of like Crackberry shirt giveaways maybe happening in the next couple <laughs> months or something? Well, here's the thing. I have I have like remember I was going back to that conversation about Crackberry specific shirts, and then. Other shirts. I have other shirts um, with basically like the huge Crackberry logos on them that I can give away. I believe I showed you guys before. But uh, what I'm gonna do is uh, uh, get all of the uh, the patron information from James and basically uh, send out a uh, Crackberry box um, to all of the the patron supporters. And when it comes down to like actual contests, we'll have a, a contest here. On Berry Flow for some actual shirts, just Crackberry shirts as well. Not the Prib shirts, mind you, just regular Crackberry logo shirts. That's awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to that. And you know, I might, you know, try to fake myself as one of my patrons or something like that and try to get one. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, gentlemen, let's jump on this after show. We have so little to talk about actually because Alex's love life. You know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure Brandon's is way more interesting, so we'll we'll focus our conversation there. Everyone, next week we will we will we will catch you out on the latter end of uh, the the month, and you know hopefully we have some Mobile World Congress stuff to talk about in the next coming days from BlackBerry, uh, as small or big as it may be. That'll be fun to kind of keep the uh, keep the the bolt in, in, in peace. And it's kind of interesting. I was looking I was looking at the the layout for Mobile World Congress. BlackBerry's. Um, set up is directly right across from Samsung and LG. That's good. That's good placement. There. <laughs> yeah, that's they're gonna, real they're, good placement. They're going to get food traffic. I mean, I'd love maybe pull a surprise out or two. That would be awesome. Yeah, but too. gentlemen, we'll, we'll talk about some of our speculations about that in our after show. Gentlemen, yeah. it's a great night. We'll catch everyone else on our Patreon on the after show. Later, guys. See ya. Later.
Peace.